Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Baldwin Safety Chat podcast. This is the one and only podcast where we talk about all things safety management, safety, or organizational excellence. I'm going to throw that one in there, too, because we like to be excellent. And I like to talk about things that can help organizations become excellent. The one thing that is burning on my mind today is the aspect of unintended consequences. And I see this so often in organizations, whether it's dealing with safety or anything else, this idea that we sometimes have knee-jerk reactions to an event to something that happened in the system. We have a tendency to want to slap a fix on it quickly. And a lot of times what we'll see are new procedures, or we may see a new training, especially in-house that's mandated. We may see new policies. We may see a lot of things. And in an effort to do this, especially as a knee-jerk reaction without taking the time and really understand the system and thinking of it as a system. We sometimes end up with unintended consequences, especially from possibly over-proceduralizing or over-regulating the environment in which we work. And I think we've all seen this. They sometimes joke, geez, we even have a procedure to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And I know that's a little extreme, but that's a possibility of what could happen especially with the knee-jerk reaction. So a few stories on this, some comical, some not. What really sparked this is reading a blog post from Stephen Chirac. I've mentioned him before, but he, he had talked about this. He talked about the overreaction and the unintended consequences based on overreaction. But some unintended consequences, one that comes to mind is actually, it's humorous. It's something that I observed, and I talk about this in our classes sometimes, but There's an airline, and I won't mention the name of the airline, but this is when they first put entertainment centers in the back of seats. One of the reasons for putting those entertainment centers in the back of seats was not only to increase the airline's value, but it was to placate passengers, you know, hopefully distract the fact that the seat pitches were getting smaller, the seats were getting narrower. There's usually no empty seats, so you're like arm on arm touching the other person next to you. But they're trying to placate the passengers and give them something to do right in front of them. Because especially in the last decade or two decades, tempers have been flaring on airlines. And we've seen, you look in the ASRS database, but there's, especially through the COVID pandemic, but there are cases and cases of flight attendants and passenger disruption, passenger abuse, and we're just not happy flyers these days. Getting back to the story. So they put these entertainment centers in the back of chairs to placate, hopefully make everybody happy. One of the games on the entertainment center at this particular airline was a golfing game. So it was a video game where they show you're the golfers, like a second person. So it's got really great graphics and it shows this really serene visual depiction of the golf course, maybe 
you're in Hawaii playing those links, or you're in South Carolina playing those links, but it's just gorgeous. It's serene. You're the golfer, you have a club and to swing the club, you have to tap a circle and the circle starts filling in around the outside to show the power of the stroke. And depending on what club you're using, you direct how much power goes into that swing. Several people playing the golf game is when they pull out the big dog, the one wood, the driver, and they're on that par five, there's 300 and some odd yards. And they just want to smack the tar on that ball and not realizing the power in that swing is not a tactile. It's not pressure response. You could tap it lightly and watch the ring and tap it again when you have enough power. They're thinking, oh man, I got to muscle this thing. So they're jamming that button. They're really pushing that button and it's boom. They hit it as hard as they can. What do you think is happening to the seats when they're doing this? And what do you think is happening to the person's head in front or that's sitting in that seat in front? It's bobbing back and forth because this guy keeps smacking that ball and jamming his fingers almost through the screen to see if he can hit that ball harder. So that's an unintended consequence, right? They put something into placate and ended up creating a scenario where people could actually get more upset and more perturbed and lead to violence. The second unintended consequence is a little bit more interesting. If you remember over a decade ago, the, the airlines said, okay, we're going to try to create additional revenue streams. And so therefore we're going to charge for checked baggage. You guys remember that? I don't know if anybody flew a long time ago. It used to be always free. Check your baggage for free. It was the thing you did. And as a result of charging for checked baggage, and I think it's like maybe $25 a bag at first, now it's up to $30, $35, whatever it may be. Um, but it's extra money. And so people started packing so that they could carry their baggage on and they could put it in the overhead bin and not have to pay that fee. A few things started happening as a result of this. This wasn't thought of as a system. They didn't think when they implemented check baggage, they didn't think of the airline as a system. They didn't think in terms of how's this going to affect the other elements of the system. And having a relative, a sister who works at a large airline, I was able to get some information on this as a result, people bringing bags up in the suspect that shouldn't even be a carry on. And they try packing 20 pounds of ham into a 10 pound bag with that over that overhead bin. And when they can't do it, leave half of it hanging out. The flight attendant has left to do it. And he or she is having to pull it down, rearrange and possibly carry it out and recheck it. It's just ridiculous what people try to do. What the airline was seeing was an increase in on the job injuries, specifically back injuries. And why do you think that is naturally because they're trying to carry these 10 pound sacks full of 20 pounds of ham around the aircraft, trying to shove it into that overhead compartment and wrenching their back. Another output of that was that gate delays had increased significantly. And again, related to now people are dragging that stuff on, they're holding up the line while they try to jam 20 pounds of ham into a 10 pound sack. And people are just standing there looking at this bozo, wondering when is he or she ever going to get that bag up there? And so boarding times were delayed or gate times, gate delays that were on the crease. But as a result, they've increased boarding times over the years to help accommodate for that. But that was an unintended consequence. And that's how the system responded. 
Now, the last one that I want to give as an example, this was a really good one. I encourage you to look up Stephen Schrock, S-H-O-R-O-C-K. He talks about humanizing safety and humanizing organizations, a really brilliant author. He talked about where at a certain airport, you have airside operations that obviously does the maintenance on the airside of the airport. So like runway lights out, fought on the runway, paints need to be done to restripe, whatever it may be. And so these guys and gals are zooming all around the airport. So they got briefed every day as which runways were open and closed. And at this particular airport, this one runway always closed every single night. But the procedure was still that they get up to the hold short lines and they would contact the op center, not the tower, but the op center, asking for clearance to cross the runway to say, hey, I need to cross this runway. The op center would say, Roger, runway is closed. You're cleared to cross because they would have the status that they briefed everybody. If the runway happened to be open for whatever reason, then ops would direct them to contact the tower to get permission to cross the runway. Okay. With me so far. So in this particular night, an individual had come back on shift. And when this individual left the shift, the runway was closed. So when the individual came back on shift, it was assumed that the runway was still closed. So there's a first problem. So he comes bearing along up to the taxiway and guess what? Goes right across. So there was a sidestep control too, because he should have also contacted Op Center and Op Center would have said, okay, actually it's open because the runway is open now to contact tower. But this individual, well, I think they just assumed that it was closed. It was closed earlier. And as a result, after some group meetings, the initial fix wasn't really looked at for unintended consequences, but the initial fix was, all right, there's going to be no more ops allowing vehicles to cross the runway when they're closed. The rule is now that anytime you come up to a whole short line, whether you think that runway is open or closed, you're going to call the tower. So now the tower individuals, while maintaining and watching over an open runway, now had to also monitor a closed runway to give those individuals clearance across a closed runway, which increased their workload significantly. And as a result, it distracted them from the higher risk operations that were happening on the active runway. So this was unintended. This wasn't well thought through to anything of the system. Okay, now we're putting an additional workload on the air traffic controllers. And as such, we are at greater risk for having another incursion or some catastrophic event. So inevitably what they did is they fixed it and they came up with a great solution. They used what I like to call integrative thinking. They took a bunch of solutions and brought them together and came up with a good solution where everybody had to cross at one certain point. And then they went back to allowing ops to control and read the story. It was a good solution, but it was that knee jerk reaction. It probably didn't look like knee jerk when it was happening because it wasn't like within the hour kind of decision, but there wasn't thought of this control. Because the thing we have to remember about systems, and they're really cool, but there really aren't linear responses to actions in a system. So it's hard to say that we're going to do this and it's going to result in X, Y, and Z. Because in a system, especially a complex system like that we operate in, it doesn't work that way. It's obviously not random, but it's going to respond in a systematic way. 
it's not going to be a linear way. I, I think the moral of this story is that when we have an issue come up in the organization, we need to stop and wind the clock. <laughs> and I borrow that line. Somebody's going to know this. It was in the context of an aircraft emergency. If you have an aircraft emergency, you stop and wind the clock. It means just slow down. In an organizational scheme, these are a lot slower. Maybe stop and wind 20 clocks. I don't know. But take a breath. And let's understand the event to begin with. Is this an anomaly? Is this a one-off? Does anything really need to be done? Was this just a bad day or was this a failed defense or the case where no defense or one could be better? That needs to be decided because to say, okay, this happened. We need to do something about it. Just take a breath and just see, let's look into the event and how did it manifest? What was going on in the system? Was there something that happened that day that is really rare? That was part of the reason why it happened. And if that very rare event wasn't there, and then when we say, okay, we do need to fix this, if it does come down to say, okay, let's come up with a mitigation, don't come up with the first thing that comes to mind. Let it marinate, get people involved. And I talk about this all the time, this idea of paradoxical leadership or taking the and both, but we want to look at all solutions and we don't really want to get into, we're going to do this solution or this solution, because that kind of leaves us in a corner. We want to get to that idea where... We want a whole bunch of solutions and maybe we can integrate them, combine them and make a better, even more robust alternative solution based on these solutions that we're given and get everybody involved. And I cannot encourage you enough, get the front line involved. There's the ones out there. They probably understand the system better than somebody who's not out there. In fact, that's pretty much guaranteed, right? But get them involved, get them involved and say, okay, we need a solution to this now. When we implement the solution, let's look at this as a system. Let's look at everything. When we implement this solution, when we implement this mitigation, what's going to happen? How is this going to impact everything that may interface with the environment in which this solution was placed? And that's not easy. I'm sitting here Monday morning quarterbacking saying, okay, I, you should have known that if they put screens in there that required a touch control that people were going to get overzealous and start pounding on it. I wouldn't have known that. And that's because I'm not used to thinking in systems and a lot of us aren't, and that's okay. It's a good thing to learn. There's many good books on there by Donella Meadows. She talks, she has a great book on thinking in systems, but it's hard to look at when you apply pressure or you apply something here in the system, how is it going to manifest in other areas of the system? Really another quick example of a mitigation. It's an example of a systems approach. This was in a country down south of the United States. And they were having issues with demonstrations against the government occurring every day in the central plaza or the central marketplace of the town. And these people would all get together and they'd start getting rowdy and they'd be throwing stuff and they'd be throwing stuff at the police. And it just became a mess. The city's solution was we need to throw more police at it. We need to hit it head on. And that actually inflamed it because now there's more police there. There's more interactions and it was getting worse. So they said, okay, we got to think about this differently. So what did they do? They went and observed these demonstrations. And what they observed is that these demonstrations had also turned into a great economical opportunity for food carts and food trucks. They would come out there and they would park and these people would demonstrate. And if they get hungry, they go buy a 
you whatever they sold and then they demonstrate and eat some more. So they were perfectly content. They had the food there. They were able to demonstrate. So what the city did then was revoke the permits of the food vendors. They did not allow food vendors into the area. And guess what? The demonstrations dwindled. That is a system approach to understanding how to fix a problem. And to me, that's just amazing. The point of, of this is telling you that when we want to do something, if we have a safety event in the organization, before we even act, let's understand in a systems way what the event was and everything that led to it. Again, was it a one-off or not? Let's not just throw something at it because that could make things worse. It can make things more complicated. Then if we do need to apply treatment or mitigation, let's look at the organization again as a system and say, okay, if we apply this here, we know we're going to be addressing the risk associated with this, but how is it going to impact the other areas in our organization? Get the front line involved. They'll know or they can help. They know that, hey, if you put this new procedure here, then I got to do this and this, and it's going to make the job a lot harder. And in my opinion, a lot more dangerous. And you may hear that. You're like, oh, wow, that, that's great to know. Okay, let's come up with another solution. So get the front line involved, look at the organization, the system, and let's just get really good at finding good mitigations that have the most impact with the least negative consequences. So that's all I have. Like I said, went off the cuff. I hope this was helpful to you. If you have any thoughts on it or questions or comments, especially comments, drop me a line. Let's talk about it. I'm always happy to pick up the phone or text or whatever, but would love to hear your thoughts on it. Also, if you have any comments on the podcast in general, we'd love to hear them. Good, bad, indifferent, ugly, does not matter. Wherever you listen to this, wherever you listen to this beast, if you like it, like it. Give us the, what is it? Five stars. If you don't like it, then no obligation to give us stars or let us know how we're doing. But the goal is to serve you and to serve you in a way so that you can be more effective. Not saying that you are not effective, but we're always in the process of learning. And I'm a big advocate for that. Until next time, thank you so much for what you do out there. Thank you for making the system safe. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next podcast. Be safe. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program. 